My, my thinking has been to, to liken this situation as having possibly developed from having numerous Jordan Belfors uh, on the front of this scene on Wall Street. One thing for quote-unquote journalists to get the issue about silver on Reddit wrong for a few days or a week simply because they were relying on reports from other people or because there was astroturfing going on on the subreddits by non-authentic accounts, but that doesn't justify three weeks of this. At best, they can't be counted on to do research, and at worst, the entire mainstream media is used as a prop for some financial mission that nobody understands. Here we go. My name is Carrie, and this is From the Hip. hardest part about these shows typically is pressing the record button. The limited set of things that I have right at the top of my mind to get me to the recording part and I know that I could run out of things to talk about in about two minutes. So I'm right back uh, today roughly where I started a few weeks ago when I felt compelled to make one sort of introductory episode about conversation and about the source of our information, or sources, in order for me to jump in episode two to the subject of the GameStop stock story, as well as an issue that was developing at that time around silver. Now, I implored and I cautioned that whatever was going on was pretty dangerous. Look, look to me dangerous. I don't know if I used those words before, but in summary, that's that's what I think about it. And so if you're just now tuning in, I would recommend going back and listening to episode two in order to get an idea of what I'm talking about. But uh, a couple things have happened over the last few weeks. Is one, once, once I got started recording these podcasts, well, this was something that I kind of enjoyed. And so it took up some time and... At the same time, I was looking at the GameStop situation and evaluating the scene. Uh, having some experience being in being a stock trader, I I was I looked at the stock and thought, well, there's a very good chance that the short squeeze has already taken place, just given what I'm able to put together at the moment. And so I decided that I would hold one share of GameStop, just kind of as a token, um, and then check back in later. And I and I really did not check back in. And so what's leading into this episode is that last evening, the 25th of February, I, much by accident, found out that GameStop, the GameStop stock doubled in price yesterday, the 25th, and it also had had a pretty big price action day, the 24th, a Wednesday. And so I, this was alarming to me for a couple of reasons. One, because it, it was indicative probably of the short squeeze actually about to take place. Finally, the real short squeeze, the, or the gamma squeeze, and if not, it was interesting. The way that I found out about it was a barons.com headline, which said, 
Basically, the stock price jumped, and no one can say why. And that that's funny on its face, because if you, if you followed this story, you know that somebody has an explanation for, for why, more than likely, unless three weeks after the main issue were to believe that a bunch of people piled into this stock just because of a, some sort of herd mentality situation, even though it had gone downward in price for three weeks. Uh, there was a little bit of news about a chief uh, financial officer stepping down in March, and that created some questions. But it created enough interest for me to go back onto the Wall Street Bench Reddit page and research. And what I found was that the people on that board had been very interested in the congressional hearings that took place via Skype, basically, over the last week, and I had not followed any of that. I just just wasn't really interested enough to dig into it at this point. And I was also, I've been, I've been recording podcasts, like a kind, kind of a backlog of unfinished episodes that I had to walk away from and then try to come back to as my ideas are fresh on those. Anyway, during these congressional hearings, apparently the firm at the center of this trade, this GameStop short squeeze, Melvin Capital, testified that they had not exited their short position or that they didn't exit it three weeks ago, which nobody really believed that they did in the first place, even though CNBC, the TV station, was and website was running an ad on Twitter at the time saying that Melvin Capital had exited their position. And so I have not gone to the length of looking up the video of their representative testifying that they had not this week, but let it suffice to say that the assumption now of however many million people are reading the Wall Street Bets page is that the trade is still on. That Melvin Capital and, and some other firms more than likely, well, yes, it seems highly likely, that they are stuck in their short positions down in the neighborhood of $540. And so with the price now at $100 per share, they have considerable amount of interest to pay. It's been written that they lost uh, $818 million this week. Uh, that was before this Friday morning because of the price run up this week. So it's very interesting. And, and the, most of the information that is now, you know, that, that that's always been had on this subject for the public to consume has been dug up by whomever on Reddit. And we also kind of have to take at face value that whomever on Reddit is just is just that, just an individual who's interested in what the truth of the matter is, who maybe, you know, does their own due diligence and decides that they like the stock. And they share that due diligence with the Wall Street Bets community or maybe on our stocks or our investing subreddits, etc. So there's a lot of uh, original research unfolding. And there has, you know, from the perspective of, of many people on these boards, the, the short squeeze is still very much on. Now, rather than going into the details of that, I want to say that on the flip side, the situation appears to have only gotten more grim over the last three or four weeks because it appears that there are even more claims on the company's shares now than there were before the original price run-up, which appeared to be the gamma squeeze. Now, I think that was another feature of the congressional testimony is that this man named Gabriel Plotkin testified, if, if I, if, 
in, in my brief viewing, understood him correctly, testified that, that he did not see the volume in the trading which would indicate a gamma squeeze, which meant the, uh, the gamma squeeze involves an awful lot of um, options being exercised or written or and so forth because uh, I'm not even going to get into it. It's, it's, it's still more complicated than I, than I think I fully understand. But the gamma squeeze has always been a potential threat, something to unfold, and that appears to still be in play. And it I mean, he's testified that they haven't exited, so there's that. Now, perhaps more importantly than the fact that all of that uh, situation requires fraudulent behavior, both both technically from a legal standpoint and just a basic standpoint. I mean, we don't have to have a law to say that you shouldn't be able to make stuff up. Like, like counterfeiting of money is immoral with or without a legal legal tender law or without a government to enforce it. So, you know, if people are passing out, let's just say, fake gold coins, that would be wrong. That would that would be counterfeiting whether or not um whether or not the US mint was minting the fake fake gold or or if it was someone else, you know, or if there was no US mint, if there was no government authority who minted money uh, but but most people minted gold and others minted fake gold. That fake gold would still be counterfeiting because what they're trying to do is getting get away with with impersonating, fraudulently presenting the fake gold as gold. And and that's what the GameStop issue depends on. And it's it's egregious to me, especially because it's only gotten worse. For those of you who watched the movie Wolf of Wall Street and remember, you know, the countenance, uh, the the overall um, demeanor and behavior of Leonardo's da, Vin or <laughs> da Vinci, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Jordan Belfort, is a real person. If you remember that that Jordan Belfort person and the the role that narcotics played in his life and, and his behavior, my, my thinking has been to, to liken this situation as having possibly developed from having numerous Jordan Belforts on the front of this scene on Wall Street and, and their attempts to to um, make this situation go away have seemingly created a wider, wider web of potential chaos. Now, I, my, my best guess is that from a technical aspect, they, they, are, they are delaying the short squeeze that will inevitably happen, but they are lessening the, the, the overall short squeeze price peak through their tactics. But they are making a really big mess in the meantime. And so if something should happen that would make it difficult for them to, to execute the, the plan that they may or may not have, I, I don't know if I'm giving them too much credit or not enough, but... If something should happen before they're ready, I think they've made an even bigger mess. Uh, Thomas Petterfly of Interactive Brokers has said on, I think it was on CNBC, uh, or maybe it was Bloomberg, that this situation has has had, and probably I think he would say still has, the potential to bring down the entire system. I have done some calculations based on the research of others, based on the numbers 
a number that that Petterfly mentioned, and I'm I'm hesitant to say the the number out loud uh, in terms of just notional value that's attached to claims on GameStop shares. I'm, I'm very hesitant to speak it aloud other than to some uh, friends who don't have uh, much of a vested interest in in the topic or the, the stock market, probably. So uh, because because if those estimations are close to correct, yeah, there, there is a powder keg involved here. And, and my again, this number that I have in my head that I calculated is just attached to the shares that have claims upon them. It says, you know, this number has nothing to do with the derivative exposure, which, by the way, was a big, uh, maybe the biggest part of the housing collapse fallout on, on Wall Street in 2008. Probably familiar with that. I, I think it's totally worth watching the uh, the big short movie. So if you're not too familiar, it's entertaining and it is fairly educational. Okay, so there's a lot of fraud. The situation is mucky, and, and that's just the GameStop issue. What I mentioned in that in that episode, too, was that in real time, I was watching the mainstream media make up stories about Redditors, and especially the Wall Street Bets page, trying to put a short squeeze on uh, actors in the silver bullion market. Now, in that in that episode, I said that's silly for one because the market is too big. There's too much silver, and it's just a silly idea. There were a few posts made about it to, to discuss the topic, just because it was. Um, being talked about by the mainstream media, as far as I can tell. There were a few astroturfing posts that, you know, there's coming people, quote-unquote, bots coming in, paid-for accounts, accounts that had been idle for years were coming onto the Wall Street Bets page and other pages to try to promote the SLV ETF, yada, yada, yada. The point is the silver market's too big. Even if you think that these major banks are suppressing the silver market through futures contracts, uh, short contracts, even if you think that's the case, the market's just too big for, for that mission. And it was a silly idea. But most of all, the point that I was trying to get across is that it wasn't actually happening. This effort to short squeeze the silver market shorts was not happening on Wall Street Bets. To my knowledge, it was not happening on any other board on Reddit. And for almost a month now, it has been reported and progressively more reported that Redditors are trying to short silver. And and so I've taken those three or so weeks off now of, of studying the topic, and, and I, I re-downloaded the Reddit app on my phone, and the first thing that it showed me was a post by someone on the stocks. I'm not sure which subreddit it was. It wasn't Wall Street Bets. It was either, I think it was investing, r backslash investing. And this post was, I'm really mad about all the mainstream media lies about Reddit trying to squeeze silver. Okay, so it's as true now as it as my impression was back then that nobody was trying to do this or that there was no coordinated effort. You know, definitely, definitely does not look like that. That looks nothing. There is nothing to compare the issue of silver or SLV to the issue of GameStop when you look at the mentions and type of interest in that stock compared to the discussions of silver. So for three 
three weeks, the mainstream media, well, and beyond, have been reporting that just a total made-up lie. Now, it's unclear to me exactly why they're doing that. I mentioned previously that that people who were trying to short GameStop had no reason to try to, to squeeze, or pardon me, people who were playing the longs trying to get the short squeeze on GameStop, they had no reason to try to squeeze SLV holders because one of the main firms involved in the GameStop trade owns a lot of SLV. ETF. Okay, so we have very well established context of a lie ongoing, and it's unclear to me whether the mainstream media is being used as a tool to get a bunch of other people into the game of, of equities and commodities and try to pull cash out of them, or if they're trying to distract from the GameStop issue so that more uh, buyers don't come into GameStop. Uh, that that could be a legitimate hypothesis there, uh, because some speculate that in retail owners, retail investors own about thirty-eight million shares of GameStop at this point. Now, don't quote me on that. I the last I had checked three weeks ago, I thought it was around sixteen million. Now, that's that's beside the issue of claims on shares, but never mind that. It was one thing for quote-unquote journalists to get the issue about silver on Reddit wrong for a few days or a week simply because they were relying on reports from other people or because there was astroturfing going on on the subreddits by non-authentic accounts, but that doesn't justify three weeks of this. I, I, I said this in a, in a personal Facebook post. If, if they cannot be bothered to actually research some chat rooms online in order to dispense a report to, the, to their readers, what the hell can you trust them with at all? At best, they can't be counted on to do research, and at worst, the entire mainstream media is used as a prop for some financial mission that nobody understands. So I'm going to continue to return to this theme of asking questions like, can you afford, in any sense of your life, if you really stop and and think about what you want what you want for your children and 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 so on and so forth across time can you really afford to to depend on such an institution as we call journalism today really what what in the course of your life in what other you know what other domain of your life would it be acceptable for you to be lied to or just i mean for for the the parties you interact with in your life to be so negligent should our lives be constructed in such ways should we be putting ourselves at risk I, that's just it and and this would take 
so many episodes. It should it should pr rightly take a book for me to in order to lay out the the consequences that we are not close to thinking about. There are tail risks to our decision that have tail risks and 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 on and on and and we have enormous exposure just as if the unlikely could bite us rather hard we're in a position in which things we deal with every day like we, so we have repeated exposure to could bite us rather hard and they're not unlikely events to occur it is that the repetition of non-occurrence when it it makes plenty of sense for the occurrence to have already played out or i there's some there's different ways of looking at this well basically what i'm trying to say is we've been in a precarious situation for about 10 years you could call it 15 you could call it 21 or 19 or you get the idea we've been in a really precarious situation the financial system for a long time and chaos should have ensued <laughs> ensued pardon me and and i think that the fact that it has not one you should know has no bearing on the fact on 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 future performance so the fact that it has not does not eliminate the possibility of not happening again it's, just, it's been staved off in interesting ways and and i don't know in what fashion the the runners of the system want to end certain kind of paradigm that we're in because it doesn't seem perpetual but i don't know whether they want to be the saviors of their own uh mess or whether they really want to let things fall apart first. So I went into that explanation to say that matters from where we get our information, and especially about which domain, our financial future, many of us, are tied to the stock market. And most of us, I think, have an impression that the stock market is something entirely different than what it is. And there's a couple different ways of, of looking at what it is that, that's not what everybody thinks it is, and that would lead into a, an entirely different episode, I suppose, which is that you know, we having an effect on the material world through our decisions are inextricable from it. And, and if the things that we interact with are not what we think they are, and, and that changes the nature of, of what it is that we do. Uh, so, so we might do, we do X, but if our understanding of what we're interacting with is off, then that, that does change the nature of what we do. The nature of what we do is deeply tied to what we think the result is or what the result will be. This is something that one ought to ponder. If we are what we do and what we do is poorly understood by ourselves, then it's a good chance that we as individuals and collective, I suppose, are not who we think we are. If we are what we do and we don't really know what we're doing because we're doing things that we don't understand involving things that are essentially different from our understanding of them, then we don't know what we're doing. And if we don't know what we're doing, then we can't know who we are if we are what we do. Now, I say if we are what we do, just to allow for the suggestion that what defines us is 
something opposite of that, or other than that, I should say, but I think that that is the most accurate representation of how we should think of ourselves, is that we are what we do. We are here, physical being, in a physical world. Uh, words count for a lot, I think, but they count for little compared to what we do. So it is Friday afternoon, and what I want to do is get out this weekend and have some conversations with real people who really count, and I want to make those conversations just as much about my own listening as my own truthful speech. And and for me, a lot of times, well, on my hope anyway, is for, for my own listening and truthful speech to be a challenge to the people I meet to speak truthfully and to listen to themselves because that's a really important element of truthful speech is, is you need to really be paying attention to yourself and asking, is, is this really true? Or do I, do I really know this? Do I really think this? Or do I need to say it? Is, you know, is there, is, should I have more doubt about what I'm saying? And, um, we you know we all go through, hopefully, okay, maybe we don't all go through cycles of questioning ourselves, but it's a continual and necessary process. And uh, I, I think that a genuine conversation tends to involve that. And so I'm going to have further future episodes about more episodes about conversation, asking what's a genuine conversation? What is the aim of a conversation? I'm also going to have future episodes about education, the, the role of education and uh, the different types of education and and. I'm going particularly to include commentary on the current subject matter, which is stocks and the stock market relative to a kind of education that influences our decisions and our general moods on that topic and the essential role of that education. What what does the financial education really result? I'm talking about a widespread education across or schooling, if you prefer, um, across the population and directed toward not only laymen, but toward financial professionals as well. So uh, I'm going to, to say good by here. Uh, challenge you to, to do some thinking until we meet again. Challenge you to research into the topics that I've discussed here, not just because you are interested in markets generally, but because you're interested in decoding <laughs> this very uh, complicated reality in which we seem to find ourselves. I want to challenge you to having a conversation. We'll discuss more about that, but just to, to make every conversation you enter more like a conversation without me uh, explaining more of what my... Th I'm thinking about that. We're going to cover that. And, uh, of course, be safe. And I thank you for your time and your attention and I'll leave you with Pogo again. Mm -hmm.